Hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast. A pod jest. A pod jest. Coming at you two weeks ago from Southern Florida, and now uh, this week from Southern California, from uh, beautiful San Diego. Um, two weeks ago, we were recording during a thunderstorm. Uh, this day, we are recording on the most beautiful and perfect day in all of God's creation that could only be superseded by yesterday and will only be improved upon by tomorrow in the most obnoxiously perfect place on earth, San Diego, California. San Diego. Um, we were San Diego treat. A San Diego treat. Uh, we were recording from my mom's uh, backyard, my mother's backyard. Um, we thought about recording on a tennis court. Yes. Because we have access to a tennis court here, and we thought it was funny. Uh, but then decided that uh, for whatever like ironic or funny experiential gain we were we would get from recording this podcast on a tennis court, uh, we would probably just be more um, irritated from baking on a hot clay court while we tried to read this stupid book. Yeah, and no one would have been playing, and if people had been playing, you would have probably you know what I mean. That like- would have been cool if you heard the the. Yeah. Uh, to make the sound. T H O K. That's the sound I think thok, it makes a when it hit when the uh, tennis ball hits the ground. Sure. Is that is that the good onomatopoeia? Yeah. Thok thok. That's what thok. I put in a in a comic book. Thok thok. Uh. Anyway, so here we are. Beautiful afternoon, sunny Southern California. Uh. Do we want to get into it, Molly? Let's get into it. And uh. I believe today, unless this section ends up feeling longer than most, uh, we should at least get into the beginning of Eschaton, which is very exciting. Very, very exciting. And a, a great place to be for a tennis court. Alas, that's, that is where they play. Um, but let's go. First, we have to go back to, back to Arizona. 30th April slash 1st May, year of the Depend Adult Undergarment. The sky of USA's desert was clotted with blue stars. Now it was deep at night. Only above the USA city was the sky blank of stars. Its color was pearly and blank. Morath shrugged. Perhaps in you is the sense that citizens of Canada are not involved in the real root of the threat. Steeply shook uh, the head in seeming annoyance. What's that supposed to mean, he said. The lurid wig of him slipped when he moved the head with any abrupt force. The first way Morath betrayed anything of emotion was to smooth rather too fussily at the blanket on his lap. It is meaning that it will not of finality be Quebecers making this kick to l'un des états unis. Look, the facts of the situation speak loudly. What is known? This is a USA production, this entertainment cartridge, made by an American man in the USA. The appetite for the appeal of it, this is also USA. The USA drive for spectation, which which your culture teaches. This I was saying. This is why choosing is everything. When I say to you, choose with great care in loving, and you make ridicule, it is why I look and say, can I believe this man is saying this thing of ridicule? I like that he like kind of writes French Quebecers like you would write Soviet uh, like agents in the 90s. Can I believe this man is saying this thing thing of ridicule? This thing of ridicule. Can it be a thing that I am to believe? I also like, it's very subtle, but I believe the longer that they're sitting on this ledge, um, the worse his English is getting both in speaking and in thinking, almost like he's (laughs) getting tired of translating, Uh, which is very clever. Morath leaned slightly forward on his stumps, leaving the machine pistol to use both his hands in saying. Steeply could tell this was important to Morath. He really believed it. Morath made small, emphatic circles and cuts in the air while he spoke. These facts of situation, which speak so loudly of your bureau's fear of this samizdat, now is what has happened when a people choose nothing over themselves to love, each one. A USA that would die and let its children die, each one, for the so-called perfect entertainment, this film. Who would die for this chance to be fed this death of pleasure with spoons in their warm homes, alone, unmoving? Hugh steeply, in complete seriousness as a citizen of your neighbor, I say to you, forget for a moment the entertainment and think instead about a USA where such a thing could be possible enough for your office to fear, 
Can such a USA hope to survive for a much longer time to survive as a nation of peoples to much less exercise dominion over other nations of other peoples? If these are other peoples who still know what it is to choose, who will die for something larger, who will sacrifice the warm home, the loved woman at home, their legs, their life even for something more than their own wishes of sentiment, who would choose not to die for pleasure alone? Steeply removed with cool deliberation another Belgian cigarette and lit it, this time on the first match, waving the match out with a circular flourish and snap. All this took time of his silence. Morath settled back. Morath wondered why the presence of Americans could always make him feel vaguely ashamed after saying things he believed. An aftertaste of shame after revealing passion of any belief and type when with Americans, as if he had made flatulence instead of had revealed belief. <laughs> Steeply rested his one elbow on the forearm of the other arm across his prostheses to smoke like a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're saying that the administration wouldn't even be concerned about the entertainment if we didn't know we were fatally weak, as in, as a nation? You're saying the fact that we're worried speaks volumes about the nation itself? Morath shrugged. Us, we will force nothing on USA persons in their warm homes. We will make only available entertainment. There will be then some choosing to partake or choose not to. Smoothing slightly at his lapsed blanket. How will USAs choose? Who has taught them to choose with care? How will your offices and agencies protect them, your people? By laws? By killing Quebecois? Morath rose, but very slightly. As you were killing Colombians and Bolivians to protect USA citizens who desire their narcotics? How well did this work for your agencies and offices, the killing? How long was it before the Brazilians replaced the dead of Colombia? Steeply's wig had slipped hard to starboard. Remy, no. Drug dealers don't want you dead, necessarily. They just want your money. There's a difference. You people seem to want us dead. Not just the concavity redemised, Not just secession for Quebec. The FLQ, maybe they're like the Bolivians, but Fortier wants us dead. Again, you pass over what is important. Why BSS cannot understand us. You cannot kill what is already dead. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Iron Islands. <laughs> Just you wait and see if we're dead, Paisano. Morath made a gesture as if striking his own head. Again passing over the important. This appetite to choose death by pleasure if it is available to choose. This appetite of your people, unable to choose appetites. This is the death. What you call the death, the collapsing. This will be the formality only. Do you not see? This was the genius of Guillaume Duplessis. What M. Duplessis taught the cells, even if FLQ and Le Feast did not understand. Isn't, isn't his kind of cultural argument here undermined a little by the, our, for the first victim of the entertainment that we see being the cultural attache from Saudi? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, in, well, I well, in a way, more... the Saudis are the Americans of the Middle East, you know? <laughs> I think he's more just trying to take a dig at us like kind of fat, lazy, simple Americans. Yeah, I mean, well, spoon it's, fed it's easy, but you. I mean, like the Canadians are that much different. I guess the French That's, Canadians are. He's uh, saying, R.I.P. to your country, <laughs> but we're different. <laughs> but we, the French Canadians, are different. <laughs> uh, much less the Albertans, all crazy inside their head. <laughs> we of the AFR, we understand. This is why this cell, Quebecers, <laughs> that danger of entertainment so fine it will kill the viewer if so. The exact way does not matter. The exact time of death and way of death, this no longer matters. Not for your peoples. It is just a very funny joke to pr present this. Uh, the noble self-denying asceticism of the French Canadian. Mm -hmm. Like as if they were the, the, the Buddhist monks who meditate until they turn to stone. Well, right. It's a... Uh, it's just two different kinds of fanaticism, yeah. entertainment versus uh, be, uh, pa patriotism. Yes. I mean, you could argue that like some Q people are maybe feeling the same way yeah. about America. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Uh, you wish to protect them, but you can only delay, not save. The entertainment exists. The attache and gendarme of the Razzle incident, more proof. It is there, existing. The choice for death of the head by pleasure now exists, and your authorities know, or you would not be now trying to stop the pleasure. Your sancreased gentle was in this part one correct. Someone is to blame. Sancreased gentle. Sancreased gentle. Uh, jaunt, perhaps. 
that had nothing to do with the reconfiguration. The reconfiguration was self-preservation. That, forget it. There is the villain he saw you needed, all of you, to delay the splitting apart, to keep you together, the hating some other. Gentle is crazy in his head, but in this fault of someone, he was correct in saying it. An enemy commune, but not someone outside of you, this enemy. Someone or some people among your own history sometime killed your USA nation already, Hugh. Someone who had authority, or should have had authority and did not exercise authority. I do not know. But someone sometime let you forget how to choose and what. Someone let your people forget it was the only thing of importance choosing. So completely forgetting that when I say choose to you, you make expressions with your face such as, here we are going. <laughs> Someone taught that temples are for fanatics only and took away the temples and promised there was no need for temples. And now there is no shelter and no map for finding the shelter of a temple. And you all stumble about in the dark, this confusion of permissions, the without end pursuit of a happiness of which someone let you forget the old things which made happiness possible. How is it you say anything is going? And and this is why. <laughs> anything, is that supposed to be anything, anything goes? goes. Uh, anything you know, Matt's kind of been on on this in his vlogs recently about the uh, the 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 modern mo- the modern move of history and society. Uh, you know, basically of liberalism post I don't know 18th century is the slow but sure destruction of God and replacing it with the self. Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the the what is the goal of the self? It is to pleasure the self, mm-hmm. uh, and so the ultimate, you know, the 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 modern American liberals' martyrdom would be to ple- pleasure the, uh, themselves to death. Yep, that would be the the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate obtainment. People sure surely are acting this way often. <laughs> Every it's, there's a pandemic, people want to go to Disneyland, man. I want to go to Disneyland, man. Not to Disneyland, please. Uh, uh, where are we, Steeply? And this is why we shudder at what a separate Quebec would be like. Choose what we tell you. Neglect your own wish and desires. Sacrifice for Quebec, for the state. Marath shrugged. L'état protecteur. <laughs> Steeply said, does this sound a little familiar, Rémy? The national socialist neo-fascist state of separate Quebec? You guys are worse than the worst Albertans. Totalitarity. Cuba with snow. Ski immediately to your nearest re-education camp for instructions on choosing. Moral eugenics. China. Cambodia. Chad. Unfree. Unhappy. There are no choices without personal freedom, buckaroo. It's not us who are dead inside. These things you find so weak and contemptible in us, those are just the hazards of being free. But what does this USA expression want to mean, this buckaroo? (laughs) Steeply turned to face away into the space they were above. And now here we go. Now you will say how free are we if you dangle fatal fruit before us and we cannot help ourselves from temptation. And we say human to you. We say that one cannot be human without freedom. Morath's chair squeaked slightly as his weight shifted. Always with you this freedom. For your walled-up country, always to shout freedom, freedom, as if it were obvious to all people what it wants to mean, this word. But look, it is not so simple as that. Your freedom is the freedom from. No one tells your precious individual USA selves what they must do. It is this meaning only, this freedom from constraint and forced duress. Morath over Steeply's shoulder suddenly could realize why the skies above the coruscating city were themselves erased of stars. It was the fumes from the exhaust waste of the moving autos, pretty lights that rose and hid stars from the city and made the city Tucson's loom nacreous in the dome's blankness of nacreous. it. But what of the freedom to, not just free from, not all compulsion comes from without. You pretend you do not see this. What of freedom to, How for the person to freely choose. How to choose any but a child's greedy choices if there is no loving-filled father to guide, inform, teach the person how to choose. How is there freedom to choose if one does not learn how to choose? Steeply threw away a cigarette and faced partly Marath from the edge. Now the story of the rich man. Marath said, The rich father, who can afford the cost of candy as well as food for his children, but if he cries out freedom and allows his child to choose only what is sweet, eating only candy, not pea soup and bread and eggs, (laughs) 
They love that pea soup in Canada. Uh, so his child becomes weak and sick. It is the rich man who cries, Freedom, the good father. Steeply made four small noises. Excitement of some belief made the Americans erectrolysis's little pimples of rash, red and even in the milky, dilute light of loom and low stars. The moon over the mountains of Rincon was on its side, its color the color of a fat man's face. Morath could believe he could hear some young USA voices shouting and laughing in a young gathering somewhere out on the desert floor below, but saw no headlights or young persons. Steeply stamped a high heel in frustration. Steeply said, But U.S. citizens aren't presumed by us to be children, to paternalistically do their thinking and choosing for them. Human beings are not children. Morath pretended again to sniff. Ah, yes, but then you say no, Steeply said. No, you say not children. You say, what is the difference, please? If you make a recorded pleasure so entertaining and diverting it is lethal to persons, you find a copy-capable copy and copy it and disseminate it for us to choose to see or turn off, and if we cannot choose to resist it, the pleasure, and cannot choose instead to live, you say what your fortier believes, that we are children, not human adults like the noble, noble Quebecers. We are children, <laughs> bullies, but still children inside. And we'll kill ourselves uh, for you if you put the candy within the arm's reach. Morath tried to make his face expressive of anger, which was difficult for him. This is what happens. You imagine things I will say and then say them for me and then become angry with them. Without my mouth, it never opens. You speak to yourself, inventing sides. This itself is the habit of children. Lazy, <laughs> lonely, self. I'm not even here possibly for listening to. See, this scene is difficult for me because it's like I can get like the two spies uh, like standing in for like viewpoints to each other and like a faux philosophical conversation as like a pulp convention in like, I don't know, something, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, pulpier than this. Yeah. But uh, with his added like meta commentary to this, it just makes it so like laborious as it's, they ping pong these opinions back and forth it's, it's like kind of the, like watching people fight on twitter yes it is where you don't really know like what they're what's happening and like quote tweets and weird stuff keeps getting pulled in we're in the part of a of a twitter fight between two equally obnoxious people uh where they're both just calling each other bots yeah uh of it which is like kind of funny to observe briefly but it, it's a bit of a slog to get through this yeah this is probably the toughest scene that keeps going and going yeah it's also like i at at a certain point i'm like yes i i, I get i get what the the philosophical things that he's trying to unspool here but again the laboriousness is the point it's the point it's the point well unmentioned by either man was how in heaven's name either man expected to get up or down from the mountainside shelf in the dark of the u.s desert's night um, oh, that was the end of that segment. That was the end of that segment. Uh, I was uh, one line too quick to put it to lodge my complaints. Yeah, that well, that's all right. There's clearly no wrong or right place to put it because it's so long. Um, the other thing that I'll say about that segment before we go on, we should go on for a little bit longer. Yeah. I think uh, is um, I'm sorry to David Foster Wallace, but uh, but no modern fiction writer trying to describe this color of the sky will ever get better than the sky was the color of a television tuned to a dead channel. We, 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 that's the opening line of Neuromancer. Okay, yeah. Well, that is pretty good. I can't. You you have to you have to hang hang the jersey of describing the color to the sky uh, up to the rafters after that one. True. Uh, and I'm just imagining what what a gymnasium of a uh, literary like devices yeah, would yeah. look like. The you know best dog, best uh, yeah, best woman. Uh, well, right next to color of the sky with the jersey that says TV tuned to a dead channel, you hang that up too. Uh, the jersey that says Wine Dark Sea. Wine, da wine Dark Sea! Wine Dark Sea! <laughs> uh, just before we go on, if, if you haven't seen that, there was a tweet the other day that, that somebody saying they had a dream that they were seeing a big-budget Iliad movie and the, the screen opened. Is it the Iliad or the Odyssey? It doesn't Iliad. matter. Iliad. The, the, and the screen opened on a, uh, a image of the sea and the entire audience started chanting, Wine Dark Sea! Wine Dark Sea! that's just so perfect that yeah. that is truly like what if i mean this is what this is basically what i'm trying to get at is like what if a book could be like a midnight screening yeah of a, a cult movie mm -hmm. where like you can just like say things and people would be like oh yeah totally yeah that's i don't know uh <laughs> this is a book book into meme 
let's let's get a little bit into eschaton. Yeah, let's start eschaton. I think we've probably been going for about twenty minutes. It's hard for me to see the uh, the timer on this thing. All right. Well, here we go. Eighth of November, year of the depend adult undergarment, interdependence day, Gaudiamus Igitor. Do you know what Gaudiamus Igitor no, is? That Latin? Yeah. And I'm I'm again. I'm so sorry. I cannot pronounce Latin. Um, what is Interdependence Day? Uh, August eighth November. Eighth November. Okay. Inter- happy Interdependence Day. Happy Interdependence Day. Every year at ETA, maybe a dozen of the kids between maybe like 12 and 15, children in the very earliest stages of puberty and really abstract, capable thought when one's allergy to the confining realities of the present is just starting to emerge as weird kind of nostalgia for stuff you never even knew, which takes (laughs) us to EndNote 120. This basic phenomenon being what more abstraction-capable post-Hegelian adults call historical consciousness. Uh, maybe a dozen of these kids, mostly male, get fanatically devoted to a homemade academy game called Eschaton. Eschaton is the most complicated children's game anybody around ETA had ever heard of. No one's entirely sure who brought it to Enfield from where, but you can pretty easily date its conception from the mechanics of the game itself. Its basic structure uh, had already been pretty much coalesced when Alston's Michael Pemulus hit age 12 and helped make it way more compelling. <laughs> its elegant complexity, combined with a dismissive reenactment for Son in a complete dissociation from the realities of the present, composes most of its puerile appeal. Is that how you pronounce that word? Puerile? Puerile? Puerile. Uh, Purell. Uh, like it's, the... it's Purell appeal. Yeah. That's like a that's 100%. like a Sopranos malapropism. Yeah, totally. It's it's, Pemulus, it's very violent. It's tawdry. It's 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 that it's purel. It's purel. It's anti antibacterial. Uh, plus, it's almost addictively compelling and shocks the tall. Shocks the tall. <laughs> this year, it's been Otis P. Lord, a thirteen-year-old baseliner and calculus phenom from Wilmington, Delaware, who wears the beanie as Eschaton's game master and statistician of record, though Pemulus, since he's still around and is far and away the greatest Eschaton player in ETA history, has a kind of unofficial emeritus power of correction over Lord's calculations and mandate. Eschaton takes 8 to 12 people to play with 400 tennis balls so dead and bald they can't even be used for service drills anymore, plus an open expanse equal to the area of four contiguous tennis courts, plus a head for data retrieval and coldly logical cognition, along with at least 40 megabytes of available RAM. <laughs> 40 megabytes. and 40 w- megabytes of storage space. <laughs> and wide array of tennis paraphernalia. The Vatimicumish rulebook that Pemulus in YPW got Hal and Condensa to write with appendices and sample C uh, slash pink two slash math pack slash end stat path decision tree diagrams. <sighs> This sounds like a hell of a game. And an offset of the most accessible essay Pemulus could find on applied game theory. It's time for some motherfucking game it's theory. It's time for some motherfucking game theory. Is about as long and interesting as Jay Bunyan's stupefying Pilgrim's Progress from this world to that which is to come. And a pretty tough nut to compress into anything lively. Although every year a dozen more ETA kids memorize the thing at such a fanatical depth that they sometimes report reciting mumbled passages under light dental or cosmetic anesthesia years later. (laughs) But if Hal had a Luger pointed at him and were under compulsion to try, he'd probably start by explaining that each of the 400 dead tennis balls in the game's global arsenal represents a five megaton thermonuclear warhead. Hell yeah. Of the total... Chris, you would love this game. Oh, yes. This is this is right up my alley. Of the total number of a given day's players, uh, which takes us to EndNote 121, Eschaton's pre- and post-procedures are convolved enough so that an actual game gets gotten up like every month or so at most, almost always on Sunday, but even then not all 12 of a year's kids can get the hours off to play, which is why the latitude and surplus in game personnel. See, uh, if I was writing this... Uh, in addition to the endnote, I would have created a second appendice, which was the appendice referring to the Eschaton rule packet. Oh, honey, <laughs> you think he didn't do that? Yes. You just wait. Well, wait. I mean, that I think that that give me credit then for understanding the thing that that is going on. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not just endnote one; it's appendice A one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Eschaton rule packet. Uh, uh pink pink uh he, do, one. he doesn't do the full thing he does do enough he he excerpts it in some crucial ways okay great so you got uh, you got the right idea 
Um, back to the text. Of the total number of a given day's players, three compose a theoretical Anschluss designated Amnat, another three Sovwar, one or two Red Chai, another one or two the wacko but always pesky Libseer, or more formidable Irlibseer, and that the day's remaining players, depending on involved. See, it's 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 telling its its writing date of the early nineties that Libya is still a player mm-hmm. in this. I know. Irlibseer, that would be I, Northern Ireland, Libya, and Syria. I th- I think it would be I, either maybe both oh, Iran, Iran and uh, Iraq and yeah, Iran, Iran, Libya, Syria. Ir, I don't know. maybe that's a better way to pronounce it. The day's remaining players, depending on involved random considerations, can form anything from South Af to Indpac to like an independent cell of NUC insurgents with a 50-click howitzer and big ideas. Each team is called a combatant. On the open expanse of contiguous courts, combatants are arrayed in positions corresponding to their location on the planet Earth as represented in the Rand McNally slightly rectangular hanging map of the world, which takes us to EndNote 122. Uh, Onanite classroom cartographic series W slash 520 slash 500 slash 268 slash 6W 9W 9W 14W4 BS 1994 Rand McNally and company. Back to the text. Practical distribution. (laughs) I know. Practical distribution of total megatonnage requires a working knowledge of the mean value theorem for integrals, which takes us to endnote 123. uh, Pemulus here (laughs) dictates. Wait, is this too loud? It's. I mean, it's fine. Okay. We were doing the thunderstorm last week. Pemulus here, dictating to Ink, who can just sit there making a steeple out of his fingers and pressing it to his lip and not take notes and wait and, like, inscribe sick it, it any time in the next week and get it verbatim, the smug turd, using the mean value formula for dividing available megatonnage among combatants whose GNP slash military slash military slash nuke ratios vary from eschaton to eschaton, keeps you from needing to crunch out a new ratio for each combatant each time, plus lets you get multi-regress uh, the results, plus lets you multi-regress the results, so combatants get rewarded for pass-through monuclear largesse. <laughs> uh, occasional verbal flourishes howls, H-J-I. Uh, uh, the, that's in brackets. The formula is also provable by the extreme value theorem, which the EV theorem itself has a proof that's just about the biggest unit-twisting bitch in the whole of applied <laughs> differentiation. But uh, I see Hal grimacing, so we'll keep it compact, even though this whole thing is real interesting and what, uh, real interesting if you're interested and whatnot. Uh, back to the text. But for Hal's synoptic purposes here, it's enough to say that megatonnage uh, is distributed among combatants according to an in- integrally regressed ratio of A, combatants' yearly military budget as percentage of combatants' yearly GNP, to be the inverse of strategio, stra, strategotactical expenditures as percentage of combatants' yearly military budget. In quainter days, combatants' balls were simply doled out by throws of shiny red Yahtzee dice. <laughs> Quaint chance is no longer required because Pemulus has downloaded MathPack Unlimited's elegant NSTAT, which takes us to EndNote 124. Both NSTAT and MathPack are registered uh, <laughs> registered trademarks of Apps Inc. Now itself a division of Interlace Tell Entertainment, which takes us back to the text. NSTAT stats crutcher software into the late James and Condense's fearsome idle drop cloth DEC two twenty one hundred, which I assume is uh, a like computer. a huge like main computing mainframe, and has showed. Otis P. Lord how to dicky the lock to Stitt's office at night with a dining hall meal card and plug the DEC into a three-prong that's under the lower left corner of the enormous print of Durer's The Magnificent Beast <laughs> on the wall by the relevant edge of Stitt's big glass desk so Stitt or Delint won't even know it's on when it's on, then link it by cellular modem to a slick you-shit-you portable with color monitor out on the court's nuclear theater. Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, this is some high tech stuff, especially in the in a time before like uh, a USB was a a, yeah. a, a like universal uh, uh, input. Actually, by the nineties, I don't know. I need to reread the article or the <laughs> Wikipedia page on the history of the USB again. Uh, Amnat and Sovwar usually end up with about four hundred total megatons each, with the rest inconsistently divided. It's possible to com- complicate Pemulus's mean value equation for distribution by factoring in stuff like historical incidences of bellicosity and appeasement, 
unique characteristics of perceived national interests, etc. But Lord, the son of not one but two bankers, is a straight bang-for-buck type of apportioner, a stance the equally bottom-line-minded Michael Pemulus endorses with both thumbs. Should we... We're at about 30 minutes of, of recording today. Uh, we've got, like... I'm sure this goes on for a long time. Oh, it sure does. Uh, I only... Asked- um, what I... I think if we do, do like two more baby Kindle pages, we'll get to a good place where the action starts. Okay, great. So we will lay down the base route. Okay, let's go for it. Yes. Um, where am I? Beep, beep, bop, bop. Oh. 400 megatons between yes. Sovap. Pieces of tennis gear are carefully placed within each combatant's territories to mirror and map strategic targets. Folded gray on red ETA t-shirts are Mama's major metro areas. Towels stolen from selected motels on the junior tour stand for airfields, bridges, satellite-linked monitoring facilities, carrier (laughs) groups, conventional power plants, important rail convergences. Red tennis shorts with gray trim are CONFORCONs, conventional force concentrations. The black cotton ETA armbands, for when God forbid there's a death, designate the non-contemporary game eras atomic power plants, uranium-slash-plutonium enrichment facilities, gaseous diffusion plants, breeder reactors, initiator factories, neutron scattering reflector labs, tritium producing reactor vessels, uh, heavy water plants, semi-private shaped, uh, semi-private shaped charge concerns, linear accelerators, and the especially point-heavy annular fusion research laboratories <laughs> in North Syracuse, New New York, and uh, Presque Isle, Maine. Uh, Chonsker, Kyrgyzstan, and Plisku, Romania, and possibly elsewhere. Red shorts with gray trim, fewer in number <laughs> because strongly disliked by the traveling squads, are S tracks, equally low number but point intensive sites of strategic command. Socks are either missile installations or anti missile installations, or isolated silo clusters, or cruise capable B 2 or SS 5 squadrons. Let's draw the curtain of charity across any more mil- millibreaves, <laughs> depending on whether they're boys' tennis socks, or boys' street shoe socks, or girls' tennis socks with the little bunny tail at the heel, <laughs> or girls' tennis socks without the bunny tail. Toe-worn, cast-off, corporate-supplied sneakers sit open-mouthed and serenely lethal, strongly suggesting the subs they stand for. Yes, nice. In the game, combatants' five-megaton warheads can be launched only with handheld Tannis rackets, hence the requirement of actual physical targeting skill that separates Eschaton from rotisserie league Holocaust games Ah. played with protractors and PCs around kitchen tables. You actually have to serve a ball into your target. The paraboloid transcontinental flight of a liquid fuel strategic delivery vehicle closely resembles a topspin lob. One reason the ETA administration and staff unofficially permit Eschaton to absorb students' attention and commitment might be that the game's devotees tend to develop terrific lobs. Pemulus's lobs can nail a coin on the baseline two out of three times off either side is why it's idiotic that he rushes the net so much instead of letting the other guy come in more. (laughs) Warheads can be launched independently or packed into an intricately knotted athletic supporter designed to open out in mid-flight and release multiple independent re-entry vehicles, MIRVs. MIRVs, being a profligate use of a combatant's available megatonnage, tend to get used only if a game of Eschaton metastasizes from a controlled set of spasm exchanges, SpaceX, to an all-out apocalyptic series of punishing strikes against civilian populations, SACPOP. (laughs) Few combatants will go to SACPOP unless compelled by the remorseless logic of game theory, since SACPOP exchanges usually end up costing both combatants so many points they're eliminated from further contention. Can I ask a... uh I assume that when he says stuff like SACPOP and SAVCOM and stuff like that, it's in the standard uh, military lingo of all caps? Correct. Yes. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just sipping sipping my beer. Um, a given Eschaton's winning team is simply that combatant with the most favorable ratio of points for INDEER, which is inflection of death, destruction, and incapacitation of response, to SUFDEER, self-evident though the assignment of point values for each combatant's shirts, towels, shorts, armbands, socks, and shoes is statistically icky. Plus, there are also wildly involved corrections for initial megatonnage, population density, 
land, sea, air delivery distributions, and EM pulse resistance civil defense expenditures mm. so that the official victor takes three hours of end stat number crunching and at least four Motrin for Otis P. Lord to confirm. <laughs> um, almost done. Another reason why each year's master statistician has to be a special combination of tech wonk and compulsive is that the Baroque apparatus of each eschaton has to be worked out in advance and then sold to a kind of immature and easily bored community of world leaders. A quorum of the day's combatants has to endorse a particular simulated world situation as lords stayed up well past several bedtimes to develop it. Does that sound familiar, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Dungeon Master? Yes. Land, sea, air, force distributions, ethnic, sociologic, economic, and even religious demographics for each combatant, plus broadly sketched psych profiles of all relevant heads of state, prevailing weather in all the map's quadrants, etc. Then everybody playing that day is assigned to a combatant's team, and they all sit down over purified water and unfatted chips to hash out between combatants stuff like mutual defense alliances, humane war packs, facilities for intercombatant communication, DEFCON gradients, city trading, and so on. Since each combatant's team knows only their own situation profile and total available megatonnage, and since even out in the four-court theater, the stockpiled warheads are hidden from view inside the identical white plastic cast-off industrial, industrial solvent buckets all academies and serious players use for drill balls, which very quickly uh, takes us to end note 125. Plastic mesh laundry baskets take two hands to carry and keep you from being able to dribble up more balls with your stick's face. The cast-off janitorial buckets are the size of like a middle-sized wastebasket, but they have a sturdy steel pail-type handle, and their hard polymer composition makes for lasting wear. It was into just such a bucket that Pemulus threw up before his kind of suspicious <laughs> VD down at Port Washington. Back to the text, there can be a lot of poker facing about response resolve, willingness to go sack pop, non-negotiable interests, e-impulse immunity, distribution of strategic forces, and commitment to geopolitical ideals. You should have seen Michael Pemulus just about eat the whole world alive during pre-eschaton summits back when he played. His teams <laughs> won most games before the first lob landed. Uh, I think that's a good place to... Okay, great. Uh, I only want to cut it early. Well, you know, we've done like 35 or... or a Sure. Almost 40 minutes of reading. Uh, because, I mean, not to tease us out too much, we will be heading to Los Angeles uh, tomorrow, or no, Monday. Monday. And that is where Matt Christman lives. And when we very, very began this project of uh, reading Infinite Jest, uh, I asked, would you ever want to come on for a segment? And he said, the Eschaton segment, immediately. So a great fortuitous alignment of reading progression and life progression has aligned to put us in LA right in the middle of the eschaton uh, segment. Are, are all things serving the beam? All things are serving the beam. So <laughs> to hopefully pull, to pull up old Ber Bernie uh, primary yeah, yeah, yeah. era parlance. It all serves the beam. All uh, so with the beam. so this is a good place to stop because with any luck, the next episode you have will be the Matt Christman guest episode where we'll, t we'll talk about eschaton, but we'll also go in depth with Matt about why uh, Infinite Jest is good, actually. I look forward to ingesting a Ken Erdetti amount of THC before this endeavor <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> to make uh, it more fun. But let's uh, let's uh, talk about this segment. The first thing that I wanted to bring up is that the Rand, many people have sent me this, the Rand Corporation actually basically has an eschaton game that they publish. Okay. It's called Hegemony. Okay. Hey, do you want me to, uh, because many people have sent me this because they've been like, you should play this with the Chapo boys. Sure. Uh, and I've looked into it and I would do it, except it seems just as boring and complicated as, as eschaton. Okay. Uh, and for real, for people who only, like the only enjoyment out of it would be people who enjoy the boring complicatedness of the game rather than people who would like want to make it a listenable audio product. Totally. Uh, the copy off rand.org. U.S. defense strategists and policymakers have perennial challenge of developing capstone documents that could coherently articulate and guide how the U.S. Department of Defense will deliver and maintain combat-credible military forces to deter war and provide national security alignment and nat with national strategy. These forces must be ready to fight and prevail should deterrence fail on a variety of threats that are evolving in an uncertain global security environment. And they must be able to do this with acceptable risks. Acceptable risks. Acceptable risks. Read... Read uh, tolerating civilian deaths. 
<laughs> both in the present against today's threats and in the future against uh, threats that might emerge, key audiences, blah, 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 blah. Against this backdrop, RAND researchers develop Hegemony, a war game designed to teach U.S. defense professionals how to different strategies could affect key planning factors in their trade space in the intersection of force development, force management, force posture, and force employment. It is a tabletop role-playing game you can download. Uh, a PDF of the rules, a player guide, and a PDF of abbreviations and glossary off of rand.org. If you and your friends are true Pemulisian sickos, yeah. uh, then I would recommend looking up hege Rand's hegemony and trying to get a game together. I mean, great, great name. And clearly they are. It's also a thing that uh, uh, abbreviations are some of the most... Yeah. Uh, popular. Yeah, I know. I love all those the military official uh, designations like uh, like Afcom and mm -hmm. uh, Ascom or I, you know, I forget what they are. You know, Asian com Asian Command. Yeah, a Norcom, whatever they are, always in all all capitals. Um, we kind of already summed up the um, the 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 Canadian part of this. Yeah. Uh. More information spools out. Uh, what, what it's what more like of a philosophical uh, uh, discussion between these two people on what the nature of free will and self and society. Yeah, which to me, I'm like, it 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 does make me. It's the same reason that I could never uh, really like. I I have tried to read philosophy, mm -hmm. and I I need to be delivered it. I need to be spoon fed philosophy in a more entertaining for, for format. So that I mean, that's okay, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the all, I mean, I guess those are the essential questions of the nature of being a human, but it does just, you know, remind me of reading like, I don't know, Locke or Descartes or whatever, like the 18th century, 17th century guys are being like, do do humans in, in essence need to be dominated? But the thing with most of those conversations are it's really like when it boils down to it is like, can I own another person as a slave? Right. Is it good for me to have a slave? Right. Can I defend it? Right. Wait, do you know off the dome um, which philosopher just talks about like the the nature of like good goodness or like good versus evil? I mean, wouldn't that be uh, Nietzsche? Is it Nietzsche? Beyond good and evil is is Nietzsche, right? The, I would Hegel? like uh, not Hegel, um, Heidegger. Heidegger. I think some of those guys. I would like, like to formulate a joke that one of those philosophers. Let's call. Let's say Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Every time he walks in a room, he goes, "Yo, what's really good." <laughs> That, that's it is it actually evil <laughs> um, yeah it's i mean i this 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 takes me back to when i first read of Jess that like that scene i i that extended chopped up scene i really like buzzed through and like Here's now like, reading on, it, on, get, yeah. it it's it's interesting in some ways mostly in a structural way of like the the weird english structure of uh yeah Marath, which is funny and I mean, also you're playing with the essential idea that like, who's the fanat? Like, is it better to be a you know a, a hoe for your country or a hoe for yourself? Uh, which is also shit talked about that yes. too. Um, like you know, life life is tennis, tennis is suicide, yada yada. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think et cetera, maybe, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think maybe in the uh, kind of the typical like winking, you know, the, the galaxy brain take for all of this is that you're supposed to come away from that conversation thinking that both those people are fucking idiots. But yeah, and all I, all I see is like you're both wasting your life. Uh, one of you is in a wheel. You're both hobbled by your individual yeah. choices for the what you choose to do for your country. Cool. Steeply is wearing weird, weird titties and a, a skew wig. Morath doesn't have any freaking legs. Lost his legs in a like a ritual train jumping ceremony. And who do they hear? They hear the sound of young people having a party somewhere. Yeah. That's what you, that's the, that's how I'm trying to be. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the meaning of life. Yeah. Chilling with the homies. Ch chill, the meaning of life is indeed chilling with the homies. But that's Marath great, and Steeply are chilling with their, they, you know, that's a the great odd point couple. that they are, they are the odd couple, that they're both, well, I don't want to call uh, being in drag, but uh, uh, mutilated or, or they're anything. in patriotic drag. They're both in patriotic drag. And the way that, that uh, Steeply's drag is described it is it is horrific it is a grotesquerie they they have made themselves both grotesque they have support, made themselves both grotesque to uh support a cause that they are both diligently trying to give a philosophical justification to and i guess it's probably how he wants us to come away from it of being like these two people locked in this faux philosophical battle and we as the listeners are like come on dudes yeah look at look at take a look at yourself take a look at yourself you should be embarrassed yes. you're you're like freezing on this weird 
uh, hill, you hill can't that you down. can't leave <laughs> because it's like nighttime and you're going to get eaten by a, a freaking yeah. rattlesnake. I mean, that, that it goes back to David Foster Wallace being addicted to television. He is both of those guys wrestling with his own mind of what is good or bad or what is right or wrong. Yeah. And all he wants to be is the Saudi uh, medical attache in his personal recliner Drooling. with his dinner uh, yeah. tray underneath his chin. Uh, watching the yeah. best TV ever, watching Love Island watching, on CBS and Paramount+. Watching the best episode Plus. of Baywatch over and over watching, and over again. The entertainment is just Pamela Anderson's and titties bouncing up and down, and, down and up and down. Uh, and then, then to wrap up, <laughs> uh, to go back to Eschaton, yeah. uh, True uh, love this. It's just him having fun making up rules for a fake game. Uh, as a D and D guy, and as somebody who's like interested in general, is with with tabletop role playing games, like awesome. Love love just set it laying out a rule set. I have no idea if this rule set works. I'm sure there are some fucking nerds who have tried to design this. Yep. Honestly, the whole part of it needing to be played over four tennis courts makes it seem like a little ungainly uh, and uh, stupid. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure you could create a tabletop version of it using like a coordinate plane with a uh, 400 points representing the nuclear arsenals or whatever. Yeah. The, the tennis, though, is is crucial for just the, literally the mechanics of, yeah. of the game in terms of who who gets the opportunity to play. But we'll get into the deeper meaning of that more next uh, week. The one thing that we do have to we can't not address before we sign off. Don't make me tap the sign. Reset the online uh, infinite jest uh, out, outrage ca- counter because this time the August pages. Of the New Yorker magazine. Freaking New Yorker. The Knickerbocker's Best uh, had printed Grace's pages with one of the laziest versions of the Infinite Jest joke that we've ever seen. And it seems like the worm is turning on this one. Do you remember what the phrasing of that their Infinite Jest joke was? It was like, so the piece, which, by the way, was revived, I believe it was published in December 2020. And thanks to the power of Twitter, it got uh, chirped back up. to, to attention but the clip that the person that i saw the tweet of it was like a list of invoices for emotional labor and one of them was like you know 50 something dollars to richard who explained the plot of infinite jest to me even though i lent it i lent him yes that was copy it. uh and you you duly noted well a the joke is stupid and hack at this point uh Boring. you're basically doing a take my wife please joke uh, with it, and you duly noted that doesn't even make sense because saying that the thing that you would talk about about Infinite Jest is quote explaining the, the plot, plot is what plot? Pro- I just read for a half an hour and nothing happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the Infinite Gist? <laughs> What's the Infinite Gist? Uh, the Infinite Gist is uh, two guys talk about the nature of free of free will on a hill in Tucson. Continue their discussion of the nature of free will on a hill in Tucson, mm-hmm. uh, and a. A, t- a role-playing game exists. Yep. Uh, yeah, there is, there is no plot. There's so, no plot. So the New Yorker, you played yourself, but it does seem like the worm is turning because the response to that seemed to be more of a collective groan. I saw a lot of, I'm begging women, get a second joke. Get another joke. Well, okay, here, here let's tie it in because I did see on also on Twitter.com, um, someone had... I can't remember. One of those like hustle mindset, rise and grind type of guys was like, these are, I asked a bunch of people what the books that they've read multiple times were. Mm -hmm. And these are like the top 10 or top 20. And it was all like the habits of highly successful. Why would you read that book more than once? (laughs) Because you got to get the, you got to get the habit going. Like just a bunch of like true, like self help books, like finance books, like rich dad, poor dad or something. Shit. I don't even know. And I saw that quote tweeted and someone's like, these are the red flag books. The yes. red flag book is not Infinite Jest. It's not Bukowski. It's not. It's not even Harry Potter or Hemingway or anything. Yeah, it's any sicko who who it's, reads like How to Make a Million Dollars in Your Sleep or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and reads it multiple times. Ramit Sethi, I will teach you to be rich. Yeah, exactly. That's Stuff like the that. dark shit. You don't. Uh, if you look, if you see that on a book or any, on a bookshelf, you gotta ask them. Yeah, what's uh, what's really good? Anybody who has a uh, uh, anybody who has a book called like How to Live the Thirty Five Hour Day. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, the four-hour work week. I mean, I agree with that. Well, that, that in concept. Yeah. yeah, you should just be given a four-hour work week. You yeah. shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't like cram your entire labor. Um, that's the yeah. that's the darkest shit to the, me. And again, if, uh, listen, the millionaire's if breakfast. <laughs> if you read any of those books and they've helped you, fine. But those books are generally, as a whole, are how to like how how to 
how to thrive during capitalism in a way that like just uh, don't sit right with me. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong reading them, especially if you're like, I, you know, look, I want to compare a different mindset against mine and maybe, you know, that's a dialectic. Here's one. Here's a hustle mindset. Here's Here's mine. How can I find a synthesis between the two? But if you put one of those books on your favorite books list, sicko. And you read it. Yeah, you read it multiple times. You read it every year on your birthday. Yeah. Uh, uh, No, thank you. Anyway, that that's a that's the yeah. the real that's the real red flags. Uh, it, the man I I read just a little snippet of that like emotional labor invoices thing and like what is the New Yorker doing publishing like shit that wouldn't have even gotten accepted in McSweeney's ten years ago? <laughs> like, are you hurting? I can I'll write something that's you better than that. You should submit something to the New Yorker. Ugh. That's that's the ultimate burn. It's like, oh, I heard they were published in New Yorker. Yeah, just the web version though. <laughs> <laughs> they Print got sh- or nothing. They got a shout, but not a murmur. <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's like ten thousand shouts when all you need is a murmur. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say about, about the text, and we'll get more into this because we'll see more Pemulus, is that Pemulus is so freaking funny is that he's both like just like an astute drug dealer, but like could also clearly be like running the model UN and then maybe the UN. And then also maybe like a, an organized crime syndicate. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. He's a true talk about hustler mindset. I want to read whatever Pemulus has to write about uh, getting getting over. Um, I I want it. I right. want I want to read it. That would be a funny uh, book to read is a self-help book from the perspective of Michael Pamulus. Imagine if David Foster Wallace, after the success of Infinite Jest, rather than uh, contribute to Harper's or The Atlantic or, you know, write that freaking Pale King, he just pulled the J.K. Rowling thing of basically writing Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, like, but just like Infinite Jest companion it. books, oh including like a, a Pamulus hustle mindset. Uh, the IJCU, the Infinite Jest Cinematic Universe. Oh, man. Or just, you know, novelizations of... Um, of scripts of himself's filmography. That would be a funny, like if I made like a version of idiocracy where there was like a weird dystopian dystopian, but like maybe positively utopian, uh, like a satirically utopian, uh, um, future. Uh, one of the jokes I would put in the background is that, uh, like the, like movie infinite jest seven, the rise of Pemulus was like coming out into a into a uh, a, 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 a movie theater. That's very funny. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to you next time. Again, I, I said this on Twitter. We're we're traveling. We're like semi vacationing, but not really. So we'll hope to get these out. Crying never stops. Uh, we, the next episode, we'll be really trying to to get on tape with Matt. So that might mean that we could we do it as early as like next Tuesday, but it might mean that we like skip next Saturday and do it the following week or something. Yeah. So uh, we'll get that out eventually. Hopefully it'll be right on time. It might be another like skipped week or put out right in the middle of the week to get the uh, the Eschaton with Matt Christmas episode going. But regardless, uh, more Eschaton soon.